through the hallways of academia and on the face of the moon the footprints of conquest haven't left us any room to say Greetings and welcome to the 40th edition podcast of Women's Liberation Radio News for this Thursday, August 1st, 2019. This is Danielle Whitaker, WLRN's resident blogger, and I am proud to kick off today's program. This month's edition focuses on taking a look at where we are at, sisters, in the alphabet soup known as the LGBTQ movement. We'll hear an excerpt of an interview Thistle did with Ellie and Jen, two lesbians who marched in the New York City Dyke March this past June. We'll also hear from Sophia Simonson, a member of the Lancashire Resisters, whom Sekhmet Shiaul interviewed about the group's demonstration at Lancaster Pride 2019. This month's commentary is a rebroadcast of Edition 31's commentary by Thistle, broaching the topic of pride parades and dyke marches and how we need to get the L out. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive, or radical. The thread that runs through all of American politics, except for separatist feminism, is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. To start off today's edition, here's WLRN's April Note with women's news from around the globe for this Thursday, August 1st, 2019. On July the 3rd, an Alabama district attorney dropped a manslaughter charge against a black woman, Marche Jones, after she allegedly started an altercation with a co-worker that ended with Jones being shot point-blank in the belly. Miss Jones was five months pregnant at the time, and the single shot resulted in the termination of her pregnancy. Police alleged that Jones started the fight with the co-worker and willingly endangered and intentionally caused the termination of her fetus. The shooter, another woman by the name of Ebony Jemison, was initially the one charged with manslaughter, but prosecutors said they dropped the charges because Jemison was acting in self-defense. After the shooting, Pleasant Grove Police Lieutenant Danny Reed had called the fetus, quote, the only true victim. This case highlights Alabama's highly controversial anti-abortion laws, which gives the state the authority to enforce personhood, a movement that seeks to strip women of control over their bodies and gives rights to fetuses as if they were independent of the human female body carrying them. This case also highlights the ways in which these laws would be used to further punish black women in America for simply being pregnant. Lynn Paltrow, executive director of National Advocates for Pregnant Women, said women across the country have been prosecuted for manslaughter or murder for having an abortion or experiencing a miscarriage. 
However, this case, quote, takes us to a new level of inhumanity and illegality towards pregnant women. I can't think of any other circumstance where a person who themselves is a victim of a crime is treated as the criminal. Lynn then added, quote, We hope there are no more cases like this in the future, but our experience in 40 years of cases suggests that we will see many more such misuses of the law in the name of fetal personhood in the future, end quote. In 2011, a cadet training exercise at the Lincoln Correctional Center in Illinois involved rounding up approximately 200 female inmates by tactical unit armed with batons and shields, handcuffing the women, then taking them to a gymnasium where they were left standing, facing a wall for an hour or more. Nothing being explained to the women, they were then led in groups of four to ten into separate rooms and told to strip. Women who were menstruating were directed to remove their tampons and pads, leaving them to bleed on themselves or the floor beneath them. All the while, the doors to these rooms were left open for male guards to see the naked women as they walked past or simply stare at them. Additionally, the women were subjected to full body and cavity searches. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit ruled 2-1 to one on July 16th that the cadet training exercise did not violate the inmates' Fourth Amendment rights to privacy because the guards didn't physically probe the women while conducting the visual body cavity searches. On the same day the Seventh Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals ruled the female inmates of the Lincoln Correctional Center didn't have their rights violated, Los Angeles County ruled in favor of a $53 million lawsuit against a mass visual body cavity search, which took place during 2010, citing the searches did violate the female inmates' Fourth Amendment rights. In this case, female inmates incarcerated at the Century Regional Detention Facility in L.A. County were regularly taken to a cold bus garage, lined up against the wall, and told to strip, while being forced to self-perform a cavity search, wherein inmates were ordered to bend over naked and, quote, spread open your vagina lips, end quote, while coughing. Some of the guards laughed. Others made degrading comments about the odor coming from the women, saying they, quote, smell like death, end quote. Jessica Almaraz, who was incarcerated at the Century Regional Detention Facility, had this to say about the searches. They wanted to make us feel powerless. Whatever they said went, even if it meant making you feel like you're not human, end quote. The only dissenting judge from the Illinois ruling U.S. District Judge John Z. Lee commented on the two cases stating, quote, the distinction between those cases and this one, in which inmates were ordered to probe their own body cavities and subject them to visual inspection, is difficult to discern. It seems odd to make the question of whether a prisoner has a reasonable expectation of privacy under the Fourth Amendment in the integrity of his or her intimate body cavities dependent on who it is that does the probing or penetrating." End quote. On July 17th, a member of the British Columbia Human Rights Tribunal in Canada reversed a year-long publication ban prohibiting the media's identification of a man who goes by the name of Jessica Yenif. Jessica, previously Jonathan, filed up to 16 human rights complaints in 2018 against various estheticians in the Burnaby and Vancouver area, who refused to provide him, a man, with waxing services. Mr. Yenif claims he was refused these services due to the fact that he identifies as transgender. He then sought to prohibit the media from publishing his name via publication ban, stating that he would suffer severe backlash if his name was published. During the period of time the publication ban was in effect, Jessica proceeded to continually use his personal social media account to discuss the cases openly. 
As a result, the same member of the tribunal who initially granted the ban, Devin Quasano, reversed the ban and did so because, quote, Miss Yaniff has chosen to engage very publicly about the issues underlying her waxing complaints and most importantly about the complaints themselves. There is no purpose served by the tribunal protecting Miss Yaniff's identity when she does not feel the need to do so herself. Upholding a publication ban in this case undermines the integrity of the tribunal as a public institution and can no longer be justified, end quote. Mr. Yaniff has been using the BC Human Rights Tribunal to target, in particular, vulnerable women, including at least one migrant woman whose first language is not English and has needed a language interpreter during the proceedings. If he is successful with the rest of his cases, it will ensure that female estheticians are legally obligated to handle male genitalia. Mr. Yaniff's targeted harassment towards female estheticians has become infamous on Twitter through the hashtag WaxMyBalls. To donate to the fundraiser to help these targeted women, search for the Sister Solidarity Fund, sponsored by Hannah Juniper, online at GoFundMe.com. On July 15th, the United Nations Agency for Women announced that it no longer focused on women's rights, but on the, quote, equality of all genders, end quote. The announcement was made by the United Nations Women's Executive Director, Mzile Malambu Noguka, at an event called Gender Diversity Beyond Binaries that took place at UN headquarters in New York City. At the event, Umzile claimed, sexual orientation and gender identity are core values in the UN Sustainable Development Goals. She implied that billions in aid meant for women may be redirected if UN agencies take it upon themselves to redefine the internationally agreed upon goal of, quote, gender equality away from women's rights. On July 23rd, the United Nations Economic and Social Council adopted text on the harmful impact of Israeli occupation, which details, quote, decisions and resolutions on issues ranging from a rise in opioid overdose deaths to the social and economic consequences of Israel's occupation of Palestinian and Syrian lands, end quote. Within those texts, the Council adopted the related draft resolution, quote, Situation of and Assistance to Palestinian Women, end quote. By a recorded vote of 40 in favor and two against, Canada and the United States, and nine abstentions, Brazil, Cameroon, Germany, Jamaica, Mexico, Romania, Togo, Ukraine, and the United Kingdom. The resolution urged the international community to, quote, continue giving special attention to promote and protect the rights of Palestinian women and girls, including by, among other things, intensifying steps to improve their difficult living conditions, end quote. This resolution has received harsh criticism, and according to the website UN Watch, accuses the United Nations of singling out and condemning Israel of being, quote, the only country in the world that violates women's rights, end quote. Nikki Haley, the previous U.S. ambassador to the U.N., tweeted on July 25th, It amazes me how the U.N. condones votes like these. It is a total mockery of human rights to allow Saudi Arabia, Iran, Pakistan, and Yemen to name Israel as the world's only violator of women's rights. Hashtag embarrassing. In Vancouver, the public library has been barred from participating in July's Pride Society's Parade due to hosting a talk organized by Megan Murphy on January 10th of this year. During the talk, the Pride Society says, quote, Five speakers asserted trans women are not women and should not be treated as women. They continue to add, quote, Vancouver Pride Society asserts that the conduct reflected both at this event and in past public comments by these speakers are discriminatory in a way that violates the British Columbia Human Rights Code, end quote. 
chief librarian at the Vancouver Public Library, Christina DeCastle says the decision is disappointing. DeCastle told News 1130 that the library spoke with the Pride Society while it was making its decision about hosting the Murphy Organized Talk. DeCastle stated, quote, The legal advice that we've received was that based on current law, the event was not in violation of the BC Human Rights Code, end quote. Serial sexual predator and sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein has been charged in the state of New York for child sex trafficking and another charge of conspiracy to engage in sex trafficking. His acts of predation are against girls as young as 14, offering them large sums of money before and after the assaults took place. Prosecutors say he used employees and associates to lure the girls to his residences and in some instances of extreme psychological sadism. He paid some of his victims to recruit other girls for him to assault. Epstein escaped federal charges in a very similar case in Florida in 2007 when he pleaded with Miami prosecutors and admitted guilt to the lesser state prostitution charges of, quote, felony solicitation of prostitution and another count of, quote, procuring person under 18 for prostitution. As it stands, Epstein has not been granted bail as he is deemed a serious flight risk and due to a history of intimidation and threatening behavior towards victims and other witnesses. According to a CNN report on July 23rd, Epstein was found in his prison cell with marks around his neck and he told authorities that he'd been beaten up and called a child predator. He has since been placed on suicide watch. Feminist in Struggle, or FIST, struck a blow for lesbian visibility and existence this summer through its successful Don't Disappear the L sticker campaign. FIST members stickered four major cities, Boston, New York, Chicago, and San Diego, along each city's pride route right before the Pride Parade. The stickers read, Don't Disappear the L. Lesbians are double X women who love double X women. Wrapping up today's world news segment, we are very happy to report that over 300 women from around the world gathered on the land July 23rd to 28th for a Mitch Fest reunion event produced by the production company Big Mouth Girl. The event was private and for women only. It took place on the land that used to be home to the famed Michigan Women's Music Festival that closed its gates in 2015, in part due to the sexist and homophobic boycotts and smear campaigns coming from trans activists. The We Want the Land Coalition, a broad coalition of women who love Mitchfest, has purchased the land and is renting it out to women who wish to hold events there throughout the summer months. For more information, please visit www.wwtlc.org. That concludes WLRN's World News segment for Thursday, August 1st, 2019. I'm April Now. Share your news stories and tips with us by emailing wlrnewscontact at gmail.com and letting us know what's going on. We're not hoes, we're whole women, and you're out of luck. Cause we're clever, complicated, more than just a whole to fuck. We are strong and we are serious, sisters one and all. And you can pass by chopping off your dick and balls. No matter how you say that, you are one of us And that we should just accept it and not make any fuss We can see and we can smell that we're really not the same And putting on a dress makes you a pantomime dame Cause we're not hoes, we're whole women and you're out of luck 
is a clever, complicated, more than just a whole tooth lock. We are strong and we are serious, sisters one and all. And you can pass by chopping off your dick and balls. So you can make your threats and tell us in a fire we'll die. And call us sis and tell us that we must believe the line. And you can cry and moan about your sadness and hurt feelings. Tell us where to fuck you to break down the cotton ceiling. But we're not holes, we're whole women, and you're out of luck. Cause we're clever, complicated, more than just a whole to fuck. We are strong and we are serious, sisters one and all. And you can pass by chopping off your dick and balls. And those of you who are women who are ashamed and want to change Cause women loving women is really just too strange Well you'll always be a woman, double X and not XY And you'll never ever ever be a guy Cause we're not hoes, we're whole women and you're out of luck Cause we're clever, complicated, more than just a whole to fuck We are strong and we are serious, we are sisters and the best And you can't be a man by chopping off your breasts So women stand with your sisters, don't let them take our space That we have paid so dearly for, don't let them take our place don't let them speak out for us Their words are not our voices As they siss away our freedoms And steal away our choices Cause we're not hoes, we're whole women And you're out of luck We're clever, complicated More than just a whole to fuck We are strong and we are serious Sisters one and all And you can pass by Chopping off your dick and balls And if any of you fight within the body that you're given Then change the world around you, make a better one to live in One the less you be, the very best that you can be And join us in our fight and smash the peace Cause we're not hoes, we're whole women and you're out of luck we're clever, complicated, more than just a whole to fuck We are strong and we are serious, sisters one and all And you can pass by chopping off your dick and balls That was a song from Ali B called Whole Woman. Next up, we'll hear excerpts of an interview Thistle did with Jen and Ellie, two lesbians who were in a group of lesbians at the Dyke March in New York City, June 29th. Ellie is a London-based lesbian feminist environmentalist, writer, and anti-sectarian who was in New York for the march. Jen is a New York City-born dyke and is a lesbian, not queer. Jen and Ellie talk about the banner their group was carrying, honoring the life of Stormé Delavry a black lesbian who was largely credited with sparking the Stonewall Riots in 1969 that began Pride Marches and events after that. The banner made no mention of trans politics, but was simply intended to honor this important black lesbian. 
Even so, trans activists at the Dyke March took issue with the banner and with the group of lesbians carrying it, preventing them from entering the march. You can hear the full interview with Jen and Elliot about their experiences at the Dyke March in New York this year under the WLRN Interviews tab on our WordPress site. But for today's podcast, here's an excerpt of that interview. My first question to both of you is, could you please just sort of introduce yourselves, say who you are, your name, and how you came to meet one another and meet all of the other women that got together to go to the Dyke March and have a presence, many of those women being radical feminists, lesbian feminists, and knowing that Dyke Marches are not really a safe place for lesbian feminists especially uh, anymore. And so how did you all meet up and come up with a plan and just introduce yourselves briefly? So, Ali, do you want to start? Yeah, I could do. I'm I'm from New York originally, although I've lived my whole adult life in the UK, mostly in London. I'm a writer and a radical feminist, and I had to visit family, so I went to the Dyke Watch because I went to one of the very first ones in '92 and '93, which was a very small affair. And I was aware that they were it was a it was a kind of cauldron and experiment, so like trans activism versus versus feminism. I went also to support my friend Claire, who's an activist, a British activist, who had a banner to celebrate Stormy Delavery's life. And it said, everybody knows that Stormy, a black female homosexual, started Stonewall. So to celebrate a black, a black lesbian's life has been written out of history. And she had a really beautiful banner. And um, about six of us met on the corner. I knew Jen and Claire. I did not know, and um, there was one other woman, one other New York feminist. I don't know if she wants to be named, but then there were three others I didn't know. So I would say altogether there was seven of us, uh, seven or eight of us. But it was a little bit, it was a, we, were, we were at different points in the corner that everybody was converging on, which was 42nd Street and 6th Avenue, and we got separated. Evidently, as I understand it, a couple of uh, a couple of the young women had a labrys banner, and one of the young women had a lesbian equals adult female homosexual, if, if I remember it correctly. General, correct me, um, or um, lesbian adult female human. Lesbian adult female homosexual, I believe, is what it says. Yeah, um, I think so too. This is so a popular a popular shirt amongst lesbians and feminists um, that I believe Posey Parker came up with. Absolutely. And it's, it's to kind of emphasize the fact that we exist. Females exist as a group. We, we are not prepared to be decategorized. Everything else in society, animal, mineral, and vegetable, protects its own group and its own category apart from women. Women is whatever fantasy a man says. You know, whatever a person with a penis says, a woman is, is what a woman is, and we're fighting back against that. So, um, so my understanding is that some people took, uh, took offense against, uh, Labrys Banner, Double Axe Banner, which was a traditional lesbian feminist symbol, and the t-shirt of one of the young women. And at this point, Jen and I were a couple of hundred yards away on 42nd Street and were in contact with the people on the corner. We walked back to the corner to see that that some of the women were trying to hold the banner, 
pulled the Stormy Delavery banner up, but there were two transactive banners, and I forget what they said, but they said something like trans rights, hope, you know, there's no place to hate, um, destroy bigotry, or, you know, something equally hyperbolic with the, with the pharmaceutical colors of pink and blue. And uh, there were two identical banners, and they were try and some women were trying to hem the banner in so it wouldn't be seen. And I thought this I thought this was a trans activist group who had come along to police anybody who they thought was a you know, outspoken feminist. And then on this later, but later we found out that they were actually official black march marshals. That not only is mm-hmm. the march inclusive, but that they hate the concept that females might exist. They absolutely hate that dykes could mean anything more than anything anyone says they are at any one point, which it says up there on their mission statement and on their website. A dyke is anyone who identifies as a dyke, which it's a kind of secular reasoning that some of us are fighting against. And mm-hmm. so I, I think the main thing I want to say, Jen can fill you in on the details, the main thing I want to say is that it was very scary. They're coming face-to-face with some of the trans activists is scary because their faces are very set, very angry. They clearly see us as, as the enemy. And they, um, I, I was trying to engage these women. They were, they were females holding both banners. As they tried, as we tried to walk, and as they tried to block us, I was saying, "Do you hate black people, or do you hate black lesbians? You know, or, or, or is it all black people you hate? Because we're we're just celebrating a black lesbian. One one black lesbian. It's not really saying anything about trans people. It's not saying anything about larger issues. We're saying that Stormy has been written out of history, and that we don't, you know, we want to celebrate her." And their faces were set, and they were on message to not talk to us because we were the enemy. And, um, yeah. and there were about six or seven of you in your original group, and then that group got divided two at some women, point. Two women, the one with the labyrinth banners went off, although they joined us later. So at this point, there were just four of us, I believe. Me, Jen, and what about their numbers? What, how many trans activists would you say there were? I'd say there were five of us. Okay, so there was like a maybe, maybe I think there was only two people, each two women each carrying the banner with a couple of supporters each. So maybe a group of seven or eight, very, very, very dedicated. Trans I mean, activists. they did join up with their, There was more of them later on when they formed the. Barric- the human barricade or chain when they I remember one approached us um, she seemed pretty nice and friendly we showed her the banner and she said oh this is fine and they sort of let up for a little bit but um, they still ended up following us through the I don't know yeah, they tried to follow us through the park but we did see them speak to the police I don't know if you remember that Right. Yeah, because at a, at a certain point, we were, we were trying to walk up 32nd Street with the whole march, but since they were kind of jostling our banner and pushing us and, and preventing it from being seen, we thought we'd cut diagonally across Bryant Park so that we could meet up with the, with the main march along Fifth Avenue and walk diagonally across the park. So some of them, it sounds like some of them laid off on the banner. They decided the banner was okay but that the lesbian adult female homosexual shirt was also something that upset them and set them off. I don't think anyone was really okay with it. There was just the one that spoke to us. The rest were silent. 
that banner ended up at, at the corner of 40th Street and 5th, where we tried to enter. I think we were actually on 41st Street and 5th, uh, um, 6th, originally when that happened. My name is Jen, by the way. I didn't say that before. <laughs> I had gone the year before all alone, and I didn't know anybody yet. Um, you know, I marched, and, you know, nothing happened, but, you know, everybody was speaking in whispers so to speak, about our identities, and there was lots of, um, you know, trans rights activists there. But that's, that's last year. I don't want to get into that. I don't want to take up too much time. But, um, so I came back the next year, and that's, at that point, it was that's when I did know more women. So um, this is my second bike march ever, essentially. And <laughs> Did you purposely not want to go back alone and so this year you sought out a group, and what was your organizing process like with that group? Yeah, like I wasn't really interested in going originally until I found out that some women I had met were going, and I decided, hey, why not? That's when Claire reached out to me. Um, I didn't even know her yet. She just wanted somebody who was from New York to sort of be like a guide for her because uh, she had never been to America before. And um, we got talking for several weeks before she even got here, and we became friendly. And then when we met, um, it was like a week before the dike march. She she had already been here, and um, we got friendly. And did you talk about I, tactics, street tactics, and plan A's and plan B's, and different things that you might have wanted to do in terms of action items before you met up in the streets? No, I don't. I don't think we were expecting much of a reaction. I think um, like the bed was pretty harmless looking, and um, you know we. It's not like we came there with all these signs that said you know transgenderism erases lesbianism and things like that. Like we didn't plan on doing anything. Like we didn't have any sort of you know uh, vicious intentions and you know. But it's important the night before, Claire, Jen, myself, Sophia. and two of the young women, I think there was five of us, met in front of Stonewall with the banner. Oh, that's right. And people were, really, people were generally really positive. There, wasn't, um, there was a really nice vibe at Stonewall. It was like a bit of a nightclub for them. Yeah, I remember that. On social media, those pictures right. are he glorious. Outside, Everybody was nightclub. We were adjacent to, we weren't right in front of, of Stonewall. We were like a little bit on Sheridan Square around the corner. People stopped to talk. Some people knew who Stormy DeLavery was and said they missed her greatly. Some people said, yeah, she's been written, written out of history. It's great you're celebrating her. It was just a lovely laid-back um, vibe. And then we, we moved around right in front of Stonewall and sang somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> So then, then the the TRAs took you by surprise. They took you by surprise that you you were not anticipating that this banner, because of your experiences the night before, as a group, the same group out on the streets at Stonewall, is posting pictures on social media, getting a positive Everyone response. You really did not anticipate that the trans activists would smell your turfiness on you somehow. <laughs> And we didn't prevent you from marching. They would hate. They would hate the idea of celebrating black lesbians so much that that would have to be suppressed. And it's just me and me and Elizabeth sort of walked in. Like we didn't actually watch 
the drama unfold, we sort of just came into it. I was getting texts from the others like, oh, we're being prevented from walking. We can't walk. And I said, what do you mean you can't walk? So I had to go find them. We had to go find them. And yeah. uh, so we didn't, we didn't exactly see what sparked it exactly and, and what happened. And we just sort of like came in on it in there. The banners were out. <laughs> it's like everything was already, like the drama was just already happening. And then these taller women were like getting in my face. This was the only time they spoke. They, they had hushed up after, but when I first arrived, these taller women were just sort of like getting in my face. Like they don't, uh, appreciate this, like we don't like, they didn't use the word turf, but they did say something about transphobes or transphobia. Like we don't want that here basically. Like you're not welcome. And then I, it just was really odd how out of nowhere they all just sort of hushed. And it didn't matter what we were saying to them. We couldn't trigger a response back. Like they were just going to keep walking in front of us prevent us from walking. If we could walk, they were just going to follow us. They were hot in our heels, basically. And none of your and messaging, I, none of your messaging had the word trans in it or the term trans yeah. activism. None yeah. of it. It said female homosexual on the banner. Which, that's um, pushing it a little bit, you know? I know that it shouldn't be, I mean, but it's it is. Claire's banner. <laughs> well, we, just, um, we, need, we need the dyke march to come out and be very clear about how much they hate and despise females. I mean, that's yeah, where the word comes want from. To eradicate, how much they want to eradicate females as a group. They need to say how much they hate females because they clearly do. You know, it, it's I mean, like, yeah, many of these women are female that are doing this, though, right? Many sure, of them are female. For a banner that wasn't, wasn't confrontative, that was just actually quite friendly and, and factual. It was really surprising. I just want to add to what Jen said, so that when they were pushing and jostling us and we went into Bryant Park, um, they followed, uh, about four of the trans activists followed us into Bryant Park, even though we had... We had left the march and gone into yeah, following us and, and just trying still and trying to kind of shadow our banner even though it was in the park and on the march and three of them um three of them hailed a cop, a single cop and were pointing to us and trying to report us to something. I Did the cop approach you then? No, no but he, he was writing something. Had his notebook out, wrote some stuff and then wandered off. Which was quite funny. Um, he didn't really seem to think that there was any. So what was your mood like? Was it jovial amongst those of you who walked to Bryant Park and were followed by three or four trans activists? What, 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 how did it feel? I'm going to say about that because I've, I've encountered trans activists before. I think that they're very, they exhibit really cult-like behavior. Um, they exhibit behavior in common with how, how we read fascists behave. You know, you don't want to say they're fascist, but it's very cult-like, it's very stony, it's very, you're the enemy, you need to be destroyed because you think females exist, because that's the most terrible thing. And I kept, I really wanted to talk to them, and I really wanted to break through, and I kept looking at them and saying, you know, do you really hate all black lesbians? Just tell me what is wrong with our banner. And they wouldn't. But then at one point, one woman turned to me and robotically said the weirdest thing. She said, I'm glad you're here. It was so weird. I'm it was glad like, you're here. Yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah, and no, it was very robotic, as if, as if like, um, they'd been told, they were, they were very organized and they were on message to kind of... Be you know, you really message. see that in the video, when the video that Sophia Reck uh, posted, 
on Facebook. She did a live stream and such a good job. She just took on a reporter role for like nine she minutes. Did really well. Um, and just documenting what was happening. And she, then she went up to the other camp, to the trans activist camp. And that's and where the numbers, the numbers seemed, I, I counted around 17 trans activists if you count the, all the people cheering. You know, in the that crowd when, when we, that's, that was when we tried to kind of join the march again, which was on uh, walking down this right at the other corner of the of the of the march. By this and by this time, they had kind of formed a human chain to stop us from coming back into the march. And do you believe these people who formed this human chain, majority women, probably right? And they were yeah, organizers yeah. with the Dyke March official. All the men and, were having a good time. No man approached us. If any man was there, they were not aware of any of the drama. They were too busy having a good time at the expense of this march. Meanwhile, you have all these women fighting amongst themselves. That was Bad Reputation from Joan Jett. 
Now we turn to an interview Sekhmet Shiawal did with Sophia Simonson about the resistors' demonstration at Lancaster Pride 2019. Sophia is a member of Lancashire Re-Sisters, a group that describes itself on its Twitter page as, quote, a grassroots campaign group of adult human females dedicated to the protection of children and women's rights. Sekhmet caught up with Sophia on Sunday to interview her for today's podcast about her experiences at Lancaster Pride last month. So how did the resistors decide to go to Lancaster Pride this year? And did you guys have any reservations about doing it before you actually did it? Well, um, since the, the protests at London Pride last year, I think there had been about seven protests leading up to to ours. So um, there were lots of there were um, protests um, in the UK, but also in Europe as well. There was one in France. Um, there was one in Vienna, um, and there was one in Bradford, um, and. Uh, a few and I think Edinburgh was on the same day as ours and a lot of the a lot of the protests that happened some of um some of the women are part of the resistance network um and some are groups of um lots of different women from lots of different um grassroots groups and um being you know Lancaster being um probably the biggest uh, pride event in our local area um, we decided um, uh, the lesbian uh, members from Manchester um, Leeds and from Lancaster that we wanted to do our own protest as well um, in solidarity with the other women who had been protesting the other prides as well as some of our allies who came to film and to take pictures as well and to be on the lookout. So we did have some reservations. We, you know, like I mentioned before, we were concerned that there would be some sort of backlash and, you know, putting yourself out there can be a little bit scary. And we know that um, that uh, the culture is very hostile to women like us who know what a man and know what a woman is and know what a lesbian is and what a lesbian isn't. Um, so we knew that there would be some hostility towards us, but like I say, we were a little bit shocked um, that that was mainly um, the young people who who did that. Um, and some pe- some of the some of the women were a little bit concerned um, because of personal situations to do with jobs and things like that. So some of us wore face paints. Um, we painted our face with the uh, lesbian labrys flag. Um, and some of the women were happy to not have their face painted. Um, but we had decided, you know, how we were going to go about it. We'd picked a spot, you know, we'd made some flyers ready um, on the way to where we were going to stand. Um, we had been giving out flyers to people through town. Most people were quite happy to take them. And it just gave some information about um about the cotton ceiling and about um, the pressure on lesbians um, and the exclusion of lesbians within LGBT um, organisations and communities as well. So we we gave out a little bit of information and then we took our spots, which was um, uh, opposite all of the stalls where everything was happening. Um, and and yeah, we yeah we were a little bit anxious, but we were also really determined. Um, 
and especially after walking through all the stalls and we saw that there was a mermaid stall and we saw that there were some puppy fetishists as well um, and one of our um, resistors who is also part of Object, um, she wrote a really fantastic blog um, about that specifically. So we were quite fired up and quite ready for doing it. Um, so as a follow-up to that question, um, do you think that more gender abolitionist and feminist lesbians should openly demonstrate at Pride and Dyke marches? And if so, do you have any advice for them? I definitely think that more women should. Um, there is uh, safety in numbers and there is strength in numbers and there is solidarity as well. Um, so the more women who um, are happy to step up um, for non-violent direct action, the better. But also we need to do that alongside um, organised events such as the talks that we've seen all over the UK that help people um, to fully understand the issue as well. So I think it's part of um, uh, a wide approach on how to and how to tackle these things from as many angles as possible. Um, but the articles and the blogs on this particular event and this action um, has seen us have so much more traffic um, on our website and social, social media than normal. Um, so people are really, really interested um, if you take direct action. Um, so I think that's um, a really positive thing. And Pride also started out as a protest. So it's kind of fitting that we keep that up, I think. But I think we also need to restart our own culture um, where we can celebrate and have our own spaces. Um, and actually, you know, if if um, organisations and, and, and the rest of them are saying that that we're not welcome, then we need to, you know, recreate um, lesbian culture um, and host our own uh, lesbian or, or dyke marches. Um, and many women um, from up and down uh, the UK in various groups have come together um, and are organising a lesbian strength march this September um, uh, as a positive celebration as well. So I think it's really important that we do direct action um, I think it's important that we do talks. I think it's important that we we do blogs and things uh, and articles about our direct action. But I also think it's really important um, that we rebuild what we've lost. Um, and so I came out quite late, but I hear tales from a lot of my close friends um, who were uh, who were around when there were lesbian bars and cafes and and all that culture, and they miss it so much and they talk about it. Um, and I really wish I'd experienced it, and I really long for it. So I think that that's also really important to to make that happen. But going back to um, advice regarding how to organise a protest, um, I think that you need to plan it quite carefully. Um, ensure that the whole team um, has a briefing beforehand, um, that there's a code of conduct on, you know, what we will and will not do and how we will behave, um, what to do if somebody was to get um, harassed or attacked, um, where are you planning to do um, the protest, do you want to do it within the march, in which case don't stand in the middle, that's probably one of the most dangerous places to do it, so... Um, maybe try and go towards the front if you can. Um, if you want to do it in a location, um, make sure that it, you're uh, in a good visible spot. We were on the steps, so we were quite high up, which meant a lot of people could see us. Um, but it also, we were standing not far from police, 
So, um, so that was also a protection for us. They have a duty to intervene if anyone was to try and harass us. Um, make sure that there's um, an easy escape route. Make sure that you have plenty of women who are not doing the direct action, but are taking um, pictures and filming, um, uh, and and on the lookout to warn you should you need it. Um, and also really make sure everybody understands their role um, in the action. So we all know what we're doing. We all know who to turn to um, in whatever situation. So I think those are like the most, I think those are the most important things that we took out of it is uh, are those things. Um, so yeah, I think it's planning really carefully and communicating with each other really well. Um, and, and being a tight little group before you do it and then have a briefing, a debrief afterwards. That's good advice. And I really like what you said about trying to create your own stuff apart from like protests and political action, because you're right, you know, like lesbians don't have anything anymore really like in-person spaces culture you know whatever that's just for them mm-hmm. um that's that's true in the united states um too and i love i love the concept of of a lesbian strength march and like you know just organizing something like that rather than waiting around for pride and trying to take pride back because that's in my opinion that's like going about it the hard way uh-huh. <laughs> and and yeah so i just hope that the strength march goes really well that it's not you know cuz like these days you always have to worry about yeah um male and pro you know pro male women showing up to crash it and whatever but um but yeah that's great um yeah I mean you know resistors aren't organizing that one but there are lots of um that's like a a cross group um a group of lesbians who are organizing that one but um but yeah I'm really looking forward to that one I'm hopefully going to enjoy enjoy it and relax <laughs> and have a great <laughs> time with loads of other wonderful lesbian women so I'm really excited um uh, but yeah, I think that should be really good. I mean, whether or not there is um, a counter protest, um, we don't know. Um, I think the the Lesbian Strength March is um, going to be um, a positive celebration. So, um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully not. Um, uh, but but who knows? Um, yeah. But I think it is really important. I think the direct action is important. I think we do need to do that. Um, but we also need to feed ourselves as well. We also need to look after ourselves and um, nourish ourselves. And that also means um, spending time together and doing nice things and, and recreating some of that what's been lost, I think. Been to any women's festivals this year? Planning on going to some women's festivals? Us too. Your grassroots radical feminist community radio station, WLRN, wants you to join us in being the media. Our upcoming edition on 2019's women's festivals and events seeks to share our stories, that is, your stories, like never before. Celebrate your womanhood, celebrate your pride by documenting the women's events you attend. Walk through the event and capture the sound of your sisters celebrating life a concert or drum circle in the distance. 
See if the woman who led that amazing workshop you just attended will answer a question or two. Capture the magic of the drum circle. Record a discussion you had with your sisters. Any number of things that are the reason you attend women's events. BWLRN's and our community of listeners' ears. If you have a smartphone, you have a mic. Fight the misogyny of female erasure and lesbian erasure. Check out WLRN's WordPress site for submission information and be the media. Thank you as always for staying tuned to Women's Liberation Radio News. We heal by the light of the August moon. Deaf women, hearing women, dancing in the light of the August moon. Girls and women in the Michigan woods, and we love by the light of the August moon. First time I came to festival, learned I'd always been afraid. Finally lay that burden down, I could not believe the way. Get the L out. 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 Let's get the L out of here. It's time to get the L out of here. It's time to get the L out of here. It's time to get the L out of here. Let's get the L out of here. Yes, sisters. It's time to get the L out of the LGBTQWTF organizations and institutions that no longer respect us. Even our marches intended to demonstrate lesbian pride and visibility have been taken over by people who hate the L. If it weren't for male domination and male pattern violence in our society, there would be no problem aligning with men who are gay for the purpose of fighting homophobia in general. But we do not live in a society that views women as anything other than sex objects and servants to men and their families. So aligning with men of any sexual orientation is not going to work to further our safety and our cause of female freedom from male tyranny. The only thing that will save us is ourselves and our willingness to see ourselves as something different and separate from the class of males called gay and the class of people called bisexual and certainly the class of men who now identify as trans. Hear me and hear me good. Men who identify as trans and march on the streets at lesbian and pride parades are not in the same or similar category as lesbians especially the ones with baseball bats and ripped up red painted stained t-shirts that say, I punch turfs. There are men who identify as women who do not engage in this behavior, of course, but the numbers of men who do engage in it are growing. And progressives and liberals continue to see this growth as something to go along with rather than for the misogyny, discrimination, and violence that it is against lesbians in particular, but really against any woman who questions transgender ideology. The social and political interests of men who identify as trans and women who identify as lesbians are in opposition. This is not to hate men, but rather to analyze and understand the culture of misogyny we all operate in that impacts how things play out. Lesbians are women who do not desire sexual contact with men and straight men who identify as trans wish to be included by lesbians in our dating pool. 
If we don't, then we are thought of as intolerant bigots towards the men who wish to impose themselves upon us sexually by saying that they are us. Nope, the L stands alone. The L is its own thing separate from the world and power dynamics of men. This separation from the GBT alphabet soup is the only way we will regain our visibility and rights as a people. As a class of women who refuse to date men and who desire dating women, or at least accept, support, are friends with, and embrace women who are sexually involved with other women. You do not need to be sexually active with women to support lesbians and lesbian sovereignty. Vocally supporting lesbians means taking a stand against male entitlement and access to women's bodies. Heterosexual women gain in their rights when lesbian rights are upheld. Supporting the rights and sexual boundaries of lesbians means supporting the rights and sexual boundaries of all women. Heterosexual women benefit when lesbian rights are supported. This is the consciousness I wish everyone could understand because male dominance, unfairness, and discrimination against women as second-class citizens is real and very measurable. Even liberal feminists understand that women are paid less than men and that it isn't fair. Even liberal feminists understand that equality between the sexes has not been achieved. So what's the problem? Why can't our society allow lesbians to march with pride and in celebration of their part in the Rainbow Coalition, free of harassment and violence from men who say they are, quote, trans dykes, unquote, and the women who support them? I answer that question with another question. Why would any patriarchal society accept men as women other than to serve male power interests? What do men have to gain by being lesbians, according to progressive culture and media and police reports and laws? They have our bodies, physical safety, hearts, minds, and souls to gain, is the answer. This ideology of male equals female, if I says it does, is a ploy for complete access to the most, quote, disobedient women, the women who refuse to be part of the sex servant class to men. Make no mistake, lesbian feminists are the most feared and threatening kind of woman known to patriarchal society because not only do we keep ourselves away from men as their handmaidens, but we have an analysis of male power and a politics to go with it that intends for women to be truly accepted as full human beings with the rights and protections that guarantee our equal participation in society as full citizens. For example, take sports, something that doesn't seem to have much to do with pride parades and lesbian marches. The politics of transgenderism allow for men to compete in women's sporting events and win medals, scholarships, titles, trophies, and tournaments. If there was not this violent push in the streets disguised as progressive politics and accepted by liberal and democratic institutions such as the San Francisco Public Library, I can guarantee you regular women, regardless of their sexual orientation, would be organizing in protest against men competing with them in sporting events. I studied sociology in college and I have a master's degree in medieval Spanish literature and taught Spanish to undergraduates at the University of Michigan for five years. This background has helped me to think about and analyze power dynamics in our society that still leaves a lot hidden to the average liberal or progressive thinker out there. 
This is especially the case because there is an active and well-funded media blackout on getting our news out to average citizens. Most good, well-intentioned people just cannot see, yet, what the problems are with transgender politics. But hopefully that will change in the next few years and we will look back on this time period when society could not understand that the fight for civil rights of men to self-ID as women is in fact harmful to the rights and protections of women. I have at least dozens of locals in the Madison area who know who I am and wish I would just shut up and go, quote, live in the woods away from humans because you are just so disgusting and unsafe and hateful and bigoted, Thistle, unquote. Madison institutions, such as the Crystal Corner Bar, WORT 89.9 FM, Wisconsin Network for Peace and Justice, Common Ground, and the Wilmar Neighborhood Center, have stood by members of the Degenderates, a very scary male supremacist group that has chapters and members all over the country, including in my hometown. The silencing of women and feminist analysis keeps good people in the dark about what is actually happening to the rights of girls and women. Our culture is so misogynistic that violent male supremacists can increase in their power and intimidation of women who do not tow the party line. Male abusers flip the narrative to claim that women like me are the aggressors for provoking violence against men who self-ID as women. For the record, I have never threatened violence against any man, ever, whether he identifies as trans or not. I have never threatened violence against any woman, either. I have never harassed anyone, targeted anyone's place of employment, trying to get them fired, nor have I sent human feces in the mail to anyone. I have never used acts of intimidation like that on anyone, ever, at any time. But sisters, all of what I just described has happened to me. I wish being quiet and just not talking about this stuff would make the violence stop and I could just live my life in peace again, but our silence will not protect us. I wish to thank my WLRN sisters for their continuing solidarity and material support as I navigate how to recover from being so hotly pursued by the ideology of, quote, trans dykeness in Madison and beyond. Please speak out, speak over, speak through the noise, and speak loud so I can hear you. I want to know you. I want to hear your real voice. I want to hear your real voice. We need each other, and we need to get the L out now more than ever. Thanks for listening to WLRN's 40th edition podcast on Dyke Marches and Pride Parades 2019. I'm April No. Next month, we will feature stories from the Michigan Framley Reunion, a women-only music and arts event that has happened annually since Mitchfest ended in 2015. It's not too late to send us your stories and recordings from women's gatherings you attended. Go to the WLRN WordPress site to find out more information on being the media and documenting your adventures. WLRN would like to thank our guests this month for sharing their views on this year's dyke marches and pride parades. We appreciated the opportunity to speak to Sophia Simonson, Ellie, and Jen. This is Sekhmet Shiawal. Thanks for tuning in to WLRN. Thank you for tuning in to WLRN's 40th edition podcast, dedicated to an examination of dyke marches and pride parades in 2019. This is Thistle Patterson. If you like what you're hearing and would like to donate to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the donate button. 
Check out our merch tab to get a nice gift in exchange for your donation as well. In addition, if you are interested in joining our team, we're always looking for new volunteers to conduct interviews, write blog posts, post to our Facebook and other social media pages, and do other tasks to keep us moving forward as a collective of media activist women. After working for over three years on 40 podcasts, I can honestly say that we have a great team here at the station. I am truly proud of the work WLRN does. Thank you for listening. This is Thistle signing off for now. This is Danielle signing off on another edition of WLRN's monthly handcrafted podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and SoundCloud, in addition to our WordPress site. Thanks for listening. And this is Jenna DeQuarto, WLRN's sound engineer and producer. Our monthly podcasts are always crafted with tender, loving care and in solidarity with women worldwide. Thank you for your support. One last thing. If you're at the Michigan Family Reunion this coming weekend, come find our table in the marketplace and hang out with us for a spell. We would love to meet you and continue to make connections with women interested in women's news and liberation. But how will we find our way out of this? What is the antidote for the patriarchal kiss? How will we find what needs to be shown? And then after that